Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and happy you're listening. Well, Elon Musk is in the news again. I mean, he's always in the news, but he was interviewed again, this time by Bill Maher. And those of you that have listened to the show for some period of time know that I like to draw from Bill Maher interviews because I think Bill Maher is a smart guy. Um, He's not in the tank uh, completely for the Democratic Party. He, He he hasn't checked his brain at the door, so to speak. And I think he's a, a pretty good interviewer. I think he asks good, deep, penetrating questions. And, uh, you know, he's got kind of a decent interview here with um, Elon Musk. And I thought it was worth playing some from it and and just discussing it. Because there's some interesting uh, concepts that I want to expound upon and uh, discuss here on the show. Uh, and, and Elon Musk is always a great source of material because, you know, he, th- he thinks about things so deeply. Uh, again, you know, I, you know, I want to say here that, that uh, Elon Musk is, is really kind of a liberal guy. I mean, he and I don't see eye to eye about a lot of things, but clearly he's very smart and he's a deep thinker. Um, I don't think he thinks about economic things so much. Um, and he doesn't think about um, government in the same way that I think about government. He, he does see uh, things like infringements on free speech as dangerous, but he doesn't see the government as wholesale dangerous. And I think that's probably the biggest difference. I mean, other than the billions of dollars in net worth, that's probably the biggest difference between, you know, the way I think and the way Elon Musk thinks. But having said that, there, there are these areas where he ventures off into my realm a little bit. And, and, and there's quite a bit of agreement and synergy. Uh, and I like to, I like to, discuss it here on the show because it, it kind of leads into some uh, some larger topics where many people in our society, I believe, are, are confused and don't really understand um, what, you know, what's going on or how things work or why things work the way they do. You know, why, why do we have the things that we have and why... Um, why do people like Elon Musk, um, how are they successful and, and, and why do they, you know, I mean, Elon Musk is a rarity, but why does he keep coming up with things and why does he not seem to be satisfied with just Tesla uh, and that type of thing? So uh, I, I, anyway, I just thought this would be a good interview. It's, it's a long interview. I'm probably not going to be able to have the entire thing. In fact, the beginning of it, I clip up a lot because there's just a lot of clapping and stuff from the audience and it's just, you know, time is too precious on the show. <laughs> I need to 
try to limit um, the fluff and, and get to the real meat of, of what what I think is important to discuss here. So, um, so I'm going to use this Bill Maher interview today and, uh, and take a deeper look into some of the things that Elon Musk is talking about. First guess is the man who made electric cars a thing and is currently working on perfecting reusable rockets, space travel, connecting the human brain directly to computers, connecting cities with electromagnetic bullet trains, the Starlink satellite system that's so important to the war in Ukraine, and then on Tuesday. <laughs> well, I'm so thrilled you're here because, you know, we do a show where we talk about what changes happen in the world, and but we just talk. There's a very few people who actually make change happen. You are one of those people, probably. I just, want to say, I just want to say I love this audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, well, you're a likable guy. I mean, I mean, I they, mean you know. they attack you a lot. They do. I yeah. love it that you have a sense of humor, because a guy as important as you who makes changes yeah. could use your powers for evil and not good. The fact yeah, that... absolutely. You could. <laughs> I would, of course, I would yeah, never use them for evil. That's no, crazy. I know. But that has always been my view, is that as a, I was a history major, and when you study history, great. what you realize is that, you know, there's the great man theory, and they talk about kings and princes and queens and presidents. It's really the people in tech who change the world. They're the people who deal the cards, at, whether it's fire or electricity, or, for good or bad, or the cotton gin, or the iPhone, or the atom bomb. Mm -hmm. Those are the cards, and the rest of us just play it. Would you agree with that assessment? Uh, I, th I think technology is the thing that uh, causes these big step changes in, in civilization. So obviously you've got things like, say, the Gutenberg Press, um, before which uh, right. it was very difficult to get books. They were yes. very rare. If, even if you had a thirst for knowledge, you really couldn't do anything about it because um, there were very few books to read. So, uh, and the, the internet is something beyond, beyond the Gutenberg book Press, I think. But, you know, it, it's it's uh, when I first saw the internet uh, coming into being in a way that, that the general public could use it. It felt like the the, the humanity as a whole was uh, developing a nervous system. So previously, uh, the way that information would travel would be by osmosis, one person to another, or one person calling another. Um, but uh, you did, the access to information was very limited. Now with the internet. It's like having a nervous system. It's like any part of, of humanity has access to almost all the information of humanity. Hmm. Like you could be in the, in the middle of the Amazon jungle uh, with, a, say, a Starlink terminal and have access to more uh, information uh, than the president did in 1980. Right. Well, anything on your phone. E everything. The interesting thing about the first part of this is, you know, he's talking about putting... Um, one's skills in the service of evil. And, and he's basically saying, hey, you know, Elon Musk, you're not that, you know. And so this is where I want to clarify some things about the way I feel about Elon Musk. I, I believe, I, I, I do believe Tesla, I mean, Tesla maybe is good, uh, but I'm not sure it's a net good. Um, you know, Elon Musk... Uh, the, the, at least the first part of his growth of Tesla 
came on the backs of taxpayers. And I just had this thing about putting your skills in the service of evil. And, you know, part of what he did with that is he enabled this idea that, you know, electric cars could be a thing. And, and maybe they can be a thing. I, I could be totally wrong about this. But I think the jury's still out on that. I mean, whether or not that's sustainable, I've talked about on this program, if, if the battery diminishes over time, let's say over a six or eight year period, and you're someone who likes to drive your car 10 years, and after six or eight years, you have to spend $17,000 on a new battery, and then figure out how to dispose of the 1,500 pound battery that's currently underneath your car, uh, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure that's sustainable. Time will tell. Maybe there's a maybe there's a path forward on that. But he also mentions the Starlink side uh, satellite system, which is making is helping to make the war in Ukraine possible. So that's clearly putting um, your skills in the service of evil. And then uh, and then space. You know, I mean. Now, I like space. I think it's really interesting and cool. But I think it's important to remember that the government steals our money in order to fund those things. Now, SpaceX is a private company, but it it survives almost entirely on stolen money from citizens. That's taxes. That's what I'm calling stolen money. So, I, you know, like if, if, if I were smart like Elon Musk, I would have never created those businesses. I would have never created a business like Starlink or even Tesla and especially not SpaceX. But I can understand why people are enamored with that. And certainly he has changed the game. I think ultimately he will end up saving us a lot of money because of SpaceX as opposed to doing it the old NASA way. So in, in, in that respect, maybe it saves us money and, and, it, and it's good. It's a net good. I don't know. But um, these are the types of things I think about. But in general, like Twitter, for me, is definitely um, a net benefit. I mean, clearly he's uh, a big fan of free speech, and Twitter has brought us much, much closer to free speech. We were headed down a, um, a terrible path, you know, with the way Twitter was being um, censored by agencies in the government. I mean, these people had like offices in Twitter almost. I mean, it was, they, they might as well have had, uh, they had, uh, links into Twitter's data feeds and things like that. So, um, anyway, I just wanted to kind of weigh in on some of that stuff. I, I like Elon Musk, but these, these businesses, um, they're, they're not entirely good for, our economy, I don't believe. At least not in the same way that Eli Whitney's steam engine or uh, Henry Ford's uh, creation of the automobile, the mass production of the automobile, or you know some of the other great leaps in uh, during the Industrial Revolution, the, the, the expansion of the production of oil, uh, kerosene initially, and then oil, and then gasoline, uh, those uh, fossil fuels uh, by uh, John D. Rockefeller or 
the expansion of, of the production of steel uh, by Andrew Carnegie or um, uh, the invention of AC current by, uh, uh, by Nikola Tesla. I mean, these are, these are things that were net goods for uh, you know, human flourishing and human beings in general. And, and I'm not so sure that the change that Elon Musk has brought to the world is on par with that type of stuff. So I think a lot of people thought when you bought Twitter that this is kind of an outlier. Like, how does this, what doesn't fit with these sure. other things you're doing? I never thought that. Oh, because yeah. I think you're dealing with big civilizational issues and problems, and I was right on your page. I think Twitter is one of them. I mean, you have talked about this yeah. woke mind virus. Yes. In really apocalyptic terms, yeah. I don't. You should explain why you don't think it's hyperbole to say things like it's pushing civilization towards suicide. First of all, what is the woke mind virus? And if we don't deal with this, nothing else can get done. Tell me why you think that. Yeah. So um, I think we need to be very cautious about any anything that is anti-meritocratic, um, and anything that is uh, that that results in the suppression of of free speech. Um, so, you know, those are two of the aspects of the work mind virus that I think are very dangerous. Uh, is that it's, it's often anti-meritocratic. You can't you can't question things. Uh, even the questioning is bad. So, uh, you know, you, you know, another way to you know, almost synonymous would be would be cancel culture. And obviously, people have tried to cancel you many times. Many times. Yeah, I mean, you're, every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from left um, and right. I've had it from both sides. Yeah. And, and it's interesting, people, you and I are both like in that little group of people, maybe it's a bigger group now, yeah. who, who are called conservative, who haven't really changed. I right. don't see a, think of you as a conservative. I'm definitely, yeah, like, I, I, I at least think of myself as a moderate, uh, you know, uh, so, I mean, uh, at least, the, like, <laughs> I've spent a massive amount of my life energy building sustainable energy uh, you know, electric yes. vehicles and, and batteries and solar and stuff uh, to help save the environment. That's, that's, not, that's not a, you know, no, no, no. It's not exactly far right. In this clip, he kind of makes my point for me. Uh, he talks about how electric cars are not exactly far right. Um, and, 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 I, and I agree. I agree with him. And in fact, it, it really... Until Elon Musk, just to kind of give you, just kind of situate myself around this guy and uh, how long I've been kind of following him. Um, really, I didn't, Elon Musk has not been on my radar uh, really until he started talking about buying Twitter. And I started paying attention to how serious he was about free speech. Um and, and this woke mind virus thing that he's talking about, I agree, is, is very, um, uh, very critical or very detrimental to um, human flourishing, to liberty, um, to uh, freedom, freedom to, to live as you see fit. I mean, you know, one of the things I think about sometimes when I think about liberty or freedom you know, you only have one life to live in this world. I mean, unless you believe in reincarnation or something. But you're just going to live once, right? And 
it, it, if you think about it sometimes, it, it is so unfortunate that some human beings end up living as slaves or um, if not slaves to, to some other human being, a slave to you know substance or addiction or you know the inability to cope with society and they live on the street or whatever their situation is you know i think if people really reflected on the fact that you're only living once there's no second lap you know there's no there's no second try if this one doesn't work out and if you can't find happiness in this life and um you know one of the things i think elon musk sees is he sees this woke mind virus is totalitarian in nature uh if you can't say what you want or if people are canceling you because of something you're saying uh and you're otherwise being you know locked out of society this is totalitarian in nature and this is the opposite of liberty, opposite of freedom. It's the opposite of human flourishing. And, you know, I think Elon Musk is pro that. He's pro human flourishing. He's pro liberty. Uh, I just don't think he understands liberty in the same way I do. Uh, I don't think he sees government entirely as a, as a force for evil. Uh, if he did, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be doing some of the things that he does. That said, I think history could very well look back on his acquisition of Twitter as maybe the greatest thing he's ever done in his whole career, uh, including what he might do in the future. So I, it's not insignificant um, his stance that he's taking around Twitter and free speech. I would even go as far to say that if, if, if somehow he's able to uh, get us to Mars and colonize Mars and all this kind of stuff, I still say that his greatest contribution thus far would be his involvement in the preservation of free speech by buying Twitter. That, in my mind, is, is, is heroic. The world has changed. Right. I feel the same way. I feel like very often wokeness is, is not building on liberalism. It's the opposite of liberalism. I can mention yes, exactly. many this examples is, where it's the op including free speech. Free speech is actually is, is extremely important. And it's bizarre that we've come to this point where um, like free speech used to be uh, a left or liberal value. Uh, and, and, and yet we, we see uh, from, you know, the in quotes left, uh, a desire to actually censor. Um, and uh, that, that seems crazy. I mean, I, I think we should be extremely concerned about anything that uh, undermines the First Amendment. There's a reason for the First Amendment. Um, the First Amendment is because people came from countries where they could not speak freely and, and, where, and where saying certain things would get you thrown into prison. And they were like, well, we don't want that here. And by the way, in many parts of the world, Including parts of the world that people might think are relatively similar to the United States, the, 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 the speech laws are draconian. England is quite different. I won't name any countries, but... 
it's, it's very uh, easy I, to prove I, libel in England. Whereas I, I, here, it's I love England. Um, but, yeah, I do uh, too. But, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to say the wrong thing. Or uh, yes, you, you, you could be sued easier. There, I mean, there are law in in France. I think if you deny the Holocaust, which I think is abhorrent, but I also think it should be part of free speech. Right. You can be thrown into jail. This is an interesting clip because um, it reminds me that that most Americans don't realize how precious this right is. I mean, Galileo, <laughs> you know, told the world, the known world at that time, that the that the uh, sun revolved. Uh, I mean, excuse me, the Earth revolved around the sun, and the church, you know, basically called him a heretic and wanted to throw him in prison. And today, uh, you've got people in these in this woke mind virus group that are calling for people to be thrown in prison for things that they say. And the real danger is not what people say. Ideas are things that, you know, people share and debate and discuss. But it's what people do that really, that really um, kind of define totalitarianism. So, for example, if I'm saying something and a mob wants to beat me up because of something I said, you can see there that the threat is not the thing that was said, but the mob that wants to beat you up. This is one of the things that was so crazy about Trump. You know, a lot of people were like just appalled about things that Trump would say. And I would get in discussions with people about this and I'd say, you know, it really doesn't bother me what he says. People say all kinds of crazy shit, right? But what bothers me or what worries me is what people do. And if you look at Biden and this Biden administration, what they say is mostly stupid. But what they're doing, what the Justice Department is doing under Biden, what the FBI is doing under Biden, uh, name any other agency, this is what's very dangerous. It's not what people say. That free speech is not a threat to anybody. Okay? You can't harm anybody by speaking. Now, you may be able to hurt their feelings or something, but I'm talking about physical harm, financial harm. Uh, this is just not a thing. Uh, people needing to cover their ears or uh, have an emotional breakdown because something somebody says at a university talk these are, these are not threats to liberty, okay? But there's some sort of shift in our culture, and he's calling it the woke mind virus, that has people believing that speech or things that people say is somehow a threat to democracy or a threat to the republic or whatever. That's, that's why they have, look, I believe that's why they have the FBI and the CIA and all these agencies infiltrate these groups to try to gin up action. Because 
what's happening is these groups are just getting together and talking or they're getting together and protesting. But what I think is happening, the misuse of some of these agencies, is you've got, you've got uh, federal government employees trying to goad people into action. And then, therefore, under our legal system, you can be prosecuted for your actions. And, you know, this is a lot about what January 6th is about and some of these other things. You know, the things that uh, they were trying to get Trump for and, you know, just all this stuff that's turned out to be false. So, uh, but the message there is free speech cannot hurt you. You know, see old sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in that. That things, The thing there that kids used to say to each other on the playground. Okay, so this, I really can't emphasize this enough. We must, uh, uh, we must protect free speech. Um, and free speech only matters, it's only relevant when it's someone you don't like saying something you don't like. Because obviously free speech that you like is, uh, yes. you know, that's easy. Um, so it, it's, uh, and it's, the thing about censorship is that Sure, for, for those who would advocate it, um, just remember, at some point, that will return on you. How did it start? Was it bats? Was it a, a <laughs> yeah. escape from a lab? I mean, wh what is your assessment of what? Because it's fairly recent. <laughs> why did, why, how did it start and why? I was, I, so I was trying to figure out where, where it's coming from. I think it's actually been a long time brewing um, in that it's, uh, I think it's been going on for a while. Um, it, 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 and um, the, the amount of indoctrination that, that's happening in schools and, and universities is, I think, far beyond what parents realize. Um, and I, I only I sort of came to realize this somewhat, somewhat late. Um, the, the, the experience that we had uh, in, in high school and college is not the experience that, that kids today are having um, and, and hasn't been for, I don't know, ten, 10 years, maybe 20 years. So. Uh, Aren't parents themselves also a big part of the problem? They, well, I, I suppose in some cases that parents, but but I think like the parents are just generally not aware of what their their kids are being taught, uh, or or what they're not being taught. But um, they're, they're letting the kids think that they're well, equal. I they're, mean, yeah. Let me let me let me give, let me give you an example that that a friend of mine told me, which uh, you know his uh, daughters uh, go to college in in or sorry go to high school in, in the Bay Area, um, and. Um, and he, he was asking them, like, well, so who are the, you know, who are the first few presidents of the United States? Uh, the, the, they could name Washington. Uh, but, and I said, well, what do you know about him? Well, he was a slave owner. What else? Right. Exactly. Nothing. <laughs> right. Like, uh, okay, that's, maybe you should know more than that. I've thought about this myself. You know, when did this really start changing? And, you know, I think probably around... Um, somewhere in the middle of the George Bush presidency. And certainly by the time Barack Obama came along, um, I think, I, honestly, I think the, the Obama administration changed America in ways that we cannot even imagine. These guys with their, you know, we used to, I used to make fun of Barack Obama being a community organizer. But, I think that served his administration very well. They, these people matriculated into cracks into our society that are, were very small and grew very quickly. 
And, um, I, I, you know, who knows where it came from? And, and what, what does it even really matter? You know, the, the point, I think, is that these ideas are antithetical to Western civilization. It's a, it's a regression. It's not progression. Um, progress is only, um, can only be aligned with human flourishing. There is no progress where human beings are not flourishing. And almost by any metric, uh, you have to admit that uh, there was some sort of peak prosperity probably around 2000. And, uh, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this is self-inflicted. It's, it's, uh, it's the, the debasement of the currency, which if you read Guido Holzman's book, that leads to all kinds of debauchery, like, like, uh, you know, all kinds of, uh, uh, undercurrents of, of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, where human beings kind of venture off into things that are, um, not good for your soul, basically, you know, drug abuse, prostitution, um, taking on too much debt, um, these types of things. I mean, uh, the opposite of human flourishing, basically. And, um, you know, in, in free speech is, is a big part of that, right? I mean, if you cannot refute dumb ideas, ideas that run counter to human flourishing, then, you know, it, 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 it becomes, uh, it, it tends to, um, that woke mind virus kind of develops a mind of its own. People start uh, teaching it in universities. Uh, it matriculates down to the public school system. And next thing you know, uh, teachers are teaching uh, third graders uh, about their sexual organs. And, oh, by the way, maybe you don't have the correct sexual organs. Maybe you maybe you were a little boy trapped in a little girl's body or vice versa. And this is just, you know, this is what I call stinking thinking. It's just not aligned with any kind of principle. And anytime you get away from any principle, uh, you know, particular principles, you, you, you run afoul of, of basically what's right and what's wrong. Um, there's a famous saying that if it can't be expressed mathematically, it's opinion. And I think the same holds true for logic. You know, if you, if you can't logically deduce something, then you've made an error. In fact, in, in Atlas Shrugged, it talks about this through the movie or the book constantly, that if you that contradictions cannot exist. And if you if you arrive at a contradiction, then one of the premises that you've uh, that you've made is wrong. And and this is and this is a you could use this over and over again. You know, if, if, you, if you find yourself believing or thinking a particular way, 
and you arrive at a contradiction. And by the way, look, politicians run into this all the time. Um, I mean, this whole debt ceiling thing is a contradiction, right? They, they want to, they want to uh, raise the debt ceiling so that they could avoid catastrophe, which will ultimately lead to catastrophe. See the problem there? And so this is, this is very common. You know, people, they, they don't think like this, though. We, we've gotten away from critical thinking. We've gotten into uh, rote learning, um, you know, believing uh, you know, the, the manufactured narrative thing is a big part of it. You know, there's a, there's a whole manufactured history of the United States. Uh, I've talked about some of that here with the Civil War. Uh, but there's dozens and dozens of examples. I mean, there's hundreds of examples of where the people who won just wrote the history. And it's not actually the history. And you see some of this trying to surface with the 1619 Project. Now, that, I think, is an abomination of history. But certainly there is, there is history in America that involves slavery that's not being told uh, entirely honestly. Uh, but that's, that, I mean, we are so far beyond, we don't even have slavery anymore. But we have some of the same problems today that we had 100 years ago, and we can't rectify those. We've rectified slavery. Why talk about that? Why spend all the time discussing slavery? Why not spend all the why not spend more time discussing the things that we haven't solved? You know, like the Federal Reserve and honest money, um, free speech to Elon Musk's point. So there's there's just I, I don't know. There, there's just a the education system look is run by the state. Um, it's like Tom Woods says, you know, if it was run by Walmart and you stood up every day and you pledged allegiance to Walmart and around the walls were, you know, pictures of past CEOs of Walmart, you know, you can, you can kind of begin to see how ridiculous that is. Right. But, but that's what we do with the state and, and the state takes advantage of it. Right. They, they, they basically, uh, own the education system, so they they teach our children what they want to teach them, basically propagandize them, and and you get you get this, you get what we have today. <laughs>